Welcome everyone. This is No Need to Argue with Kobe Wittick. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Kobe Wittick. This is No Need to Argue. It is October 15th. It is Monday night football day, and I am so excited to keep this train rolling. Thank you for joining me. Check me out on Twitter at No Need 2A at no need number two a i will uh update you guys on our polls that i put up last week and kind of give you some some statistics and what people are voting on in terms of the nlcs the alcs and how many games people feel the broncos are going to win this year so stay tuned i'll give you an update on that uh but first wanted to really just kick this off we had a lot of fun stuff this weekend a lot of good games, a lot of things that happened, some good, some bad. There was some crazy and some spectacular. So there's the bell. Let's get right into this. You got to be kidding me. Here we go. So first off, I got to kick this off. College football. I'm sitting there on Saturday. I'm flipping through every game possible to try and stay updated and catch everything that I can. And I flip over to the Alabama game. And their punter comes in kind of at the start of the third quarter. His name's Skyler DeLong. DeLong. And they show on the screen that he hasn't punted a ball in 156 game minutes. Over two and a half games, the Alabama punter has not been on the field to do his job. And he punts the ball 12 yards. Oh, I mean, you have one job to do. You're getting a scholarship. I think he's probably on scholarship. I don't know for sure if he's on scholarship. But, I mean, you're at Alabama, one of the most prestigious football programs in the entire nation. You can't tell me for two and a half weeks you haven't been practicing punting. And you come in the game, crucial moment, starting quarterback is down, they don't know what's going on with Tua, and you punt the ball 12 yards. Skyler DeShort, you will now be known as until you fix your 12-yard punt and there's no need to argue about that and that was his only punt of the game by the way came in one play one punt 12 yards get off the field you gotta be kidding me next one up I mean talk about the Dallas Cowboys they were my upset pick this week against the Jaguars I thought the way the defense played against Houston they should have won that game against Houston but they didn't I mean, what more can you say about what the Dallas Cowboys did at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars? And you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, what they were supposed to be this year, they're sitting at 3-3 three and three in that AFC South division, and the Cowboys just put it on them. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott ran for 100 yards, Dak Prescott ran for 82 yards. And Cole Beasley finally had his breakout game that everyone's been waiting on. 
Nine catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns, tore it up in the passing game. I mean, there was no other player on their team that had more than 30 receiving yards. It was a big rush attack. It was Dak Prescott, you know, refinding his chemistry with Cole Beasley. And they stick it to the Jaguars 40 to 7 and just annihilate them the entire game defensively. They had, I mean, sack after sack. They had one interception. They just, I mean, they killed them. Absolutely killed them. And, you know, I mean, it was my upset pick of the week. So, you know, I got to say that I, I called it, but I definitely didn't see it going down to this extreme with the Jaguars and Cowboys. So hats off to you, Cowboys. What a game. Thanks for making me correct on this week's upset pick, and there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Moving right along, how about Tyrell Williams for the Los Angeles Chargers? I always want to say San Diego, so I always have to pause and remember that they're Los Angeles. Anyways, Tyrell Williams, I mean, was making plays and dealing it to the Cleveland Browns. Now, I got to take a step back now. After the Cowboys upset pick, I got to take a step back because Cleveland Browns were my lock pick. The way that defense was playing, the way Baker Mayfield was coming along, playing at home where they've played really well, really, really competitive this year with that home crowd behind them, I really thought that Cleveland was going to play better. Obviously, you know, I think that Baker Mayfield's little ankle twist that he had on the first down marker I think affected him a little bit during the game but the offense just didn't look good they couldn't get anything going they had receivers dropping in left and right and the Los Angeles Chargers is really coming into form like that defense we thought they would have and Phillip Rivers was just chucking and Tyrell Williams I mean the catch that he made in the end zone against triple coverage and one guy on the Cleveland Browns team, like had the ball in his arms as they went to the ground, and Williams just ripped it away, said, nah, this is mine, and muscled it from three guys in the end zone. And you look at Phillip Rivers, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just tossing it up there, saying, you know what, Williams is an athlete. I'll take a chance on this one. Let's see what he does. And comes down with it in triple coverage. What a spectacular catch. What a play. It really was an awesome thing to watch. Unfortunately, you know, the Browns, they they went down. They didn't look good offensively. They didn't look good defensively. They were getting burned left and right in the passing game and the rushing game. I mean, Melvin Gordon had 132 yards rushing on 18 carries for 7.3 yards per attempt and three touchdowns. I mean, they were just they were just getting it. Tyrell Williams only had three catches for the entire game and had 118 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it was just big play city. They were busting them. They were kicking butt. And unfortunately, my lock pick of the week got got destroyed at home. But what a catch by Tyrell Williams. Keep it up, my man. That was spectacular. And there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Another great one this weekend. How about Brock Osweiler? Oh, 
Man, the injury woes continue for Ryan Tannehill. They started the season 3-0. and Everyone was like, wow, Tannehill's back. They got this thing going with Adam Gase. You know, they lose to New England, and they, you know, kind of had a rough go. Ryan Tannehill's out. You got, I mean, the best defense in the league in the Chicago Bears coming to town in Miami, and Brock Osweiler is your starting quarterback. And what does he do? 380 yards passing, three touchdowns. He had the two interceptions, but, I mean, that's a given. Like, that's almost a handicap for the Chicago Bears defense. Frank Gore rushed for 100 yards, and Albert Wilson had another coming out party and just, I mean, torched that Chicago Bears defense on a couple of plays for touchdowns. And, you know, Cecil Lammy here for 104.3, the fan in Denver. He's the big fantasy guru, and he does a bunch of shows and a bunch of events for fantasy And two weeks ago, he talked about Albert Wilson being the Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins and to keep an eye on him when it comes to fantasy. And Albert Wilson had a day with Brock Osweiler at the helm. And I'm sure the waiver wire is going crazy for Albert Wilson today and tomorrow. But you got to be kidding me. Brock Osweiler steps in. 380 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and they end up winning it in overtime after the Drake fumble, after the missed field goal, after everything that takes place, and Brock Osweiler gets the W. And here in Denver, we get to watch Case Keenum. And there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me! I'll finish this week's segment off with this. Denver Broncos... We will definitely be talking more about these guys, but I mean, my moment of the game where I just sat back and said, you gotta be kidding me, was when 45 seconds left in the second quarter, the Denver Broncos had the ball, it was fourth and three. They're gonna go for it. All right, let's be aggressive. Let's get some points before halftime. You know, let's let's really make a push here. Let's do something good before half because we only had three points on the board and it's only a 10-point game. Okay, great idea. I'm perfectly okay with being aggressive in that situation. Defense played really, really well in the first half especially. So let's see what happens. You know, let's let's see what we can do here. What's the play that they call? A five-step drop pass play on fourth and three where all three of our receivers are 15 yards down the field. 15 yards down the field on fourth and three And Case Keenum does a, I mean, three-step drop out of a shotgun position against the Los Angeles Rams and the defensive front that they have. And that's the play that we call. (laughs) Oh, oh man. I, I don't even know what to say about that play call on fourth and three. And then what makes it even better is Case Keenum throws an interception into double coverage in this game, trying to get the ball to Brian Parker. Tight end number 89, Brian Parker, forcing into double coverage. Case Keenum throws an interception to Brian Parker. Now, nothing against Brian Parker. I'm sure he's a heck of a guy, probably a pretty dang good football player. 
if he's got a Denver Bronco jersey on and he's in the NFL. But Case Keenum forces an interception into double coverage on Brian Parker. Not Emmanuel Sanders. Not Demarius Thomas. Not Cortland Sutton. Not Deshaun Hamilton. Not Tim Patrick. He forces it into double coverage for Brian Parker. Man, Case Keenum, leader of the Denver Broncos. Keep doing what you're doing, Case. You got paid. What does it matter, right? And there's no need to argue about that. Wow. All right, well... Fun session, a lot of cool things that happened. Uh, you know, I love doing that segment and kind of bringing the good and the bad and what I thought just really, you know, surprised me or threw me for a loop uh, over the weekend. So, hope you guys enjoy that. Let's uh, go ahead and check out those Twitter polls. So, last week I put up uh, three polls on Twitter at no need to A. And I did who was going to win the NLCS, who was going to win the ALCS. And how many games the Broncos are going to win this year. So let's get started with baseball. You know, both series are one and one heading to Houston and heading back to Los Angeles. Had some really good games. There's been some good things that have taken place. I think these series are going to go pretty deep. You know, both road teams taking one away from the home teams in the first two games and kind of bringing that home field advantage their way but you know baseball is one of those where home field advantage it it's just a little different in baseball playoffs because all the opposing team needs to do is bring in you know their ace pitcher or bring in some really good you know relievers and they can really change that home field advantage right back you know it's going to be interesting to see how these these series play out but I think it's it's been good to watch so far I've enjoyed watching these series uh, personally, I'm pulling for the Brewers and the Astros. I would love to see you know, the Astros make it again and would really like to see the Brewers make it. I think that they are an awesome kind of homegrown team. They've made some big, big moves this year to you know, really make that final push in the season that they were so successful with. So would love to see kind of the smaller markets, Brewers, Houston, with everything they've been through, I'd love to see the Astros, you know, get there again and keep that fan base pumped and excited and, you know, minds off of everything that they're still recovering from. But on the polls that I posted on Twitter last week, uh, there's two days left if you want to go check those out and vote. The NLCS is 50-50. I got 50-50 for Dodgers Brewers. You know, they split the first two games. It's going to be interesting to see how the Brewers play in Los Angeles and how they do down there. But, you know, I think that this team, they've got some grit. They've got some, you know, momentum going their way with how they've played over the last two, three months of the season. And we'll see, you know, if the Dodgers have their key guys step up again. I mean, that seems to be the Dodgers over the past month of the season. Whenever they need a big play, someone steps up and makes it and they push through. So it'll be interesting to see there. Uh, for the Astros Red Sox, I have 100% on the Red Sox. And I know that they had a great year, so many wins in the regular season. They're talented top to bottom on that roster and pitching staff. Uh, but a little surprised to see 100% on the Red Sox and uh, you know not as many votes for the Astros going on. So 
like I said, really good series going on. We have a lot of sporting events taking place, so it's going to be fun to see. As far as the third poll that I put up, I did, you know, how many games are the Broncos going to win this year? I put up two to four games, five to seven, eight to nine, and ten plus. Uh, I mean, as you may have guessed, nobody put eight to nine or ten plus. Uh, but the votes come in at sixty-seven percent, five to seven wins, and thirty-three percent, two to four wins. So, you know, a third of the people voting think that you know they may only win one or two more games the whole rest of the year, and you know, sixty-seven percent think that they'll at least get to the five-win season that they had last year. So definitely check out those polls. Continue to vote. I'll be posting more and more as we move along in the football season, in the uh, you know baseball season. We'll see how close and tight the NLCS and the ALCS get leading up to the World Series. And then we'll definitely have you know some fun come NBA, NHL season and those kind of things that take place. So uh, check those out. That'll be a lot of fun. I mean, real quick here, I got to just, you know, I got to say a few things here about my Denver Broncos and, you know, yesterday against the Rams, they end up losing 20 to 23. The game was not as close as the score entails. I think the defense played absolutely outstanding. I think the defense played as best as they probably could have against the Los Angeles Rams and that high powered offense. And our offense just, I mean, continues to struggle. I mean, there's no difference between the offense last year and the offense this year. You know, if I was Mike McCoy, I would just be trolling this team. I mean, I'd be trolling Vance Joseph. I would be trolling John Elway. I would be trolling the Denver Broncos offense and Bill Musgrave because everyone you know, last year was so frustrated with Mike McCoy and what he was doing offensively. I was frustrated with him and what he was doing offensively. And, you know, Vance Joseph fires him. They move on to Bill Musgrave. But, I mean, you look at the offense that we had last year with Mike McCoy and the quarterbacks that we were moving through last year with Mike McCoy versus what Bill Musgrave has this year and has had an entire offseason to implement his system and what he wants to do and work with all the players that we have. I mean, are you telling me that Mike McCoy couldn't do a little better with the offense that we have right now versus what he had last year? Are you telling me that Mike McCoy with Philip Lindsay couldn't be doing some pretty special things? I mean, it's just unbelievable to watch this offense under Case Keenum and Bill Musgrave's lead and what they're doing. I'm so tired of watching Case Keenum run around trying to make plays like he's Michael Vick back there. Case Keenum is not a mobile, he's not you know, a get-out-of-trouble type of player or athlete. And yet he continues to run backwards and he continues to try and make plays with his feet and just throw the ball away. I mean, a third of the sacks that he has this year are all on Case Keenum. You got to get the ball out. You got to make your reads. You got to be hitting receivers, or you got to be throwing that thing out of bounds. Because every time you run backwards, every time you fall over, and we lose five, 10, 15 yards on a sack, it just continues to push us back and put us in a deeper hole that this offense can't get out of with his lead. And then you look at the rushing attack. So last week we had 12 attempts between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. This week we have 13 attempts in the rushing game by Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman for a total of 40 yards. 
I, I mean, they're not getting anything in this offense. Probably the two players that I want the ball in their hands most are being left completely out of the offense. Now, Philip Lindsay had six catches for 48 yards, was very productive with a couple of plays there. I mean, why why do you have these guys? You're not using them whatsoever. Case Keenum is not being effective whatsoever. Now, yeah, of course, the last two, three games, they've been able to you know, get some garbage time stats with yards and some late time scoring and had some flow to the offense when, you know, the opposing defense kind of goes into prevent mode. But I mean, where, where is this offense? And I understand that the offensive line is not terrible. And I've talked about that, but you know, there's a lot of ways that you can help your offensive line with your game plan, with your game scheme and your play calling. And Bill Musgrave is not doing that offensive line any favors whatsoever you know what you got there it's not going to change anytime soon so help them out put a game plan together where they don't have to drop back for five and seven step drops by Case Keenum all the time and give up sacks and give up holding penalties and do all these things put Chad Kelly in are you telling me that he'd be any worse than Case Keenum let's see what this kid's got he looked good in the preseason Case Keenum's got his guaranteed money, so what does it really matter if you play him or not? You're in a four-game losing streak. Let's throw him out there this week against Josh Rosen and let the two you know, rookie quarterbacks, obviously Chad Kelly's not a rookie, but this is his first year playing, but let those two duel it out. Let's see who really has the better team. Throw two unexperienced quarterbacks out there and let's let them let fly. I mean, it's just unbelievable to watch what Case Keenum is doing as a quarterback. And I said this before, in my episode, about four or five months ago it was, I think it was in April or May when everything was going on in the draft and the free agent signings, I said the Broncos are nowhere close to the team that the Minnesota Vikings were last year. So don't think that Case Keenum is just a plug-and-play guy where, hey, we're still in our Super Bowl era you know, we can still compete at a high level. We just need the right quarterback. Let's bring this guy in. Strong defense, weapons on offense. He'll be just fine, just like he was with the Vikings last year. Nope. You got to be able to look in the mirror and be truly honest with yourself about what you have on this roster. And I said it before this is not the 2015 Denver Broncos. This is not the Super Bowl 50 champion Denver Broncos. It is far from it. Everyone on the team that was on those teams, a lot older. A lot of wear and tear on those bodies. A lot of key parts of those teams are gone. Either retired, free agent departures, or trades. I mean, this is not the same team. And as I said last week, I think the biggest key right now for the Broncos is for John Elway to sit back, look in the mirror, and be very, very honest with himself, with the Denver Broncos franchise, and with the Denver Broncos fans, and admit that he's made many mistakes, but that we are in a rebuilding era of the Denver Broncos. And any Broncos fans who don't want to accept that, who don't understand that, who maybe don't believe that, you are just naive to the fact that the Denver Broncos are in a rebuilding phase of their team. And it stinks. I hate it too. 
Nobody likes the rebuilding phase of their professional sports team, but it has to take place every now and again to get competitive again. It's just something that has to happen. And so John Elway really needs to be honest with himself, check his ego at the door. You got to do that. That was one of the biggest things in my four-year college football career down at CSU Pueblo. One of the first things they told us when we walked in that door our first year, they said, you check your ego at the door. This is about the team and what is going to make the team the most successful. No egos allowed. Check it at the door. Our offensive line coach used to preach to us. His favorite quote was, consistency is the truest test of a man's mental toughness. Consistency is the truest test of a man's mental toughness. And right now we have none of that going on with the Denver Broncos. There's definitely no egos being checked at the door. Maybe Von Miller a little bit after the last two games because he seems to be taking a lot of the blame on his plate, which I don't think he deserves. But I also don't think he's completely free of. But John Elway needs to understand that this is not a competitive football team in the NFL. Against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night in Denver, you competed. It was a close, hard-fought game. Defense showed up. You ended up losing. Los Angeles Rams come into town. They're undefeated. It's a cold Sunday game in Colorado. The Denver Founds are out and about supporting the Broncos. We competed. Hard-fought defensive game. We lose. Let me tell you something. It is really, really easy for a team to get up and get excited to play an undefeated team and battle it out for four quarters. It's not so easy to go out to New York and play the Jets and play against a team that you're supposed to beat, that you know you can beat, that you know you should beat, and get your butt absolutely handed to you. That is the mark of a good coach and a good franchise that the culture is we will not play down to our opponents. We will not overlook any opponents. As I've said before many times, it is any given Sunday. So do not think for one second that just because a team is the favorite, it is a guarantee that they will win. It is never a guarantee in the NFL. Ever. You can think it is as much as you want, but I promise you this, it is never a guarantee when two teams face each other in the NFL. Everyone thought it was a guarantee when New England was undefeated going into the Super Bowl against Eli Manning and the Giants, a wild card team. Everyone thought that was a guarantee, didn't they? There's absolutely no guarantees. And if you can't get your team to play hard against the New York Jets, that's how I look at this coaching staff. I could care less if you got your team ready to play and excited to play two undefeated teams in the last three weeks. Big whoop. That's the easy part. Show me how you get them ready to play against the New York Jets and rookie quarterback Sam Darnold. Show me how you get them ready to play against the 1-5 in Arizona Cardinals and rookie quarterback Josh Rosen. Show me how you get your team to play against those guys, and I'll tell you 
the true mark of a coach and the leader of a team. It is ridiculous to watch this offense week in and week out. They won two hard-fought games to start the year, two fourth-quarter drives to you know take the lead and win those games. That was awesome. And that was against inferior teams, right? Broncos were supposed to beat those teams. People were mad that the Broncos didn't blow out those teams. And I was trying to tell people, calm down. Don't overreact in week one and two. Don't overreact. Because this is not the Super Bowl Broncos. John Elway needs to sit back and realize that you're in a rebuilding year. You have a really, really good young core of running backs in Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. You have a really, really good young core of wide receivers in Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Deshaun Hamilton. Defensively, you have some really good young core guys that you can build around in this defense. Bradley Chubb had a breakout game. Three sacks, four tackles, one assisted tackle. Looked really good. They had him at his normal position, defensive end, rushing the passer. Did really well. They weren't dropping him back into coverage. (laughs) Makes sense. Justin Simmons, I think, is a spectacular safety. I think he is going to be a really, really good player. Josie Jewell has come in and played really, really well. I mean, he stuffs holes. He looks good. He moves right. He just needs to get himself, you know, a little bit smarter in the game of football. How does the NFL work? How can you use certain things to help you play better? So we have the young talent there that we can build around. We need to start building around it and stop trying to build around all of our aging veterans that have all the stats in the world and have the biggest name on paper but yet aren't producing and don't look like they care to produce anymore for this Denver Broncos team. John Elway needs to step up and understand that he's made a lot of mistakes but that he's done a lot of good things here. He's made some really good draft choices. He's done some really, really good free agent signings, especially in those Super Bowl years to get us so competitive so quickly. But that's not going to happen here. And you have really good young core players that you can build around for the next two to three years. And what I would do if I was John Elway is I would sit back, I would look at my entire roster, and I would say, I mean, I would go down the list on every single player And I would say, is this guy going to be at the top of his game in the next two to three years? And if the answer is no, I'm shipping him away. I'm trading. I'm releasing. I'm trying to get whatever I can for him, draft picks, whatever it may be. But I'm getting rid of him. And you're doing those players a favor too. You know, don't let Von Miller's career dwindle here in Denver as we rebuild and try to figure out who our offensive line is going to be and who our starting quarterback is going to be and who our head coach is going to be and who our offensive coordinator is going to be to try and get us out of this slump. Don't let Von Miller's career go down like that. Let him go to a contender. Compete for a few more Super Bowls. If you're not going to be at the top of your game in two or three years when this team could be really competitive again in the NFL, you're not going to be on my team. And that's what I would do if I'm John Elway. I would clean house. I've seen enough last year and this year to know that Vance Joseph is not the future head coach of the Denver Broncos. 
that Joe Woods maybe got promoted a year or two too early, that Bill Musgrave is not helping himself in any way, shape, or form because he's not getting the best out of his team and he's not finding ways to put people in positions to be successful. That's what a good coach does. I don't care what your talent level is, but if you find ways to get guys to make plays because of a good system and because of good things happening around them, that's the mark of a good coach. Not every coach is going to have the most talented group of players when they go out on the field. you got to find ways to make players successful within their own abilities. And there's no need to argue about that. And I don't care who the head coach of the Denver Bronco is. I don't care if we promote the special teams coach as the interim title. He can't do worse than Vance Joseph has done over the past year and a half. I don't care who's calling plays. They can't be worse than Bill Musgrave has been this year. I mean, are you telling me that you don't have anybody on that offensive and defensive staff that can't step in and call plays and do just as bad as we have been doing over this four-game losing streak? Because this week's the week, gentlemen. Short week. I mean, three days from right now, you will be teeing off on Thursday Night Football against the Arizona Cardinals and rookie quarterback Josh Allen. And David Johnson is sitting back, having a rough year, coming back from his injury, and he is licking his chops at what the Denver Broncos defense has given up the last two weeks. I mean, David Johnson is sitting back going, oh yeah, this is where I rejuvenate my year and my entire career is against the Denver Broncos on Thursday night, short week. I am going to get after them. David Johnson is looking to break the single-game rushing record against the Broncos this Thursday. Beat-up defense, hard physical game with Gurley running down our throat, and they don't have as many days to recover this week. Oh, yeah. Josh Rosen may not throw a pass this game. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm running it 30 times in the first half just to see what happens because you know the Denver Broncos offense isn't going to do anything so you could run the ball 30 times have 10 three and outs and you're probably still going to be in the ball game it's tough to say but it's so true it's just so true understanding the Broncos are rebuilding is the biggest thing that Broncos country needs to be able to admit to themselves and not make a riot about I mean, it's just the truth. But the positives we can take out of this is look at the young core of players we've established here. Look at what could be in two to three years if we get the right coach in place and we continue to draft well and get an offensive line in here, revamp our defensive line. John Elway's got some hard decisions to make coming up. But they're easy if you ask me. I've seen enough where it's time to just clean house. Stand up, admit that you've made mistakes, and show this organization that we are going to put a plan in place to be successful again in the near future. And stop trying to put band-aids on this team 
over the past two to three years and think that we're just magically going to become the Peyton Manning Broncos of 2015, of 2014, of 2013, of 2012 again. It's not happening. And there's no need to argue about that. Let's move on from the Denver Broncos, shall we? We'll be able to talk about them in three days when they play the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday. So let's move on. Clean house. Here we go. Monday Night Football, Packers 49ers. I mean, who knows what this game's going to look like. You know, the 49ers and the injuries and everything that they've gone through, but they've still been competitive. I mean, they're still playing hard. They got, you know, C.J. Beathard at quarterback who's playing well, who's making plays. I mean, he's doing what he can. You know, he wasn't expecting to be thrust into this role. And... You know, the one silver lining is that they really have some great skills players that are coming along for them. And, you know, this team is built to be competitive over the next three, four, five years. And I think Shanahan and Lynch are putting some things in place to, you know, keep this thing rolling, to get the right guys that they want, get their kind of guys for their system. And see what happens. I mean, they're sitting at, you know, one one and four, coming off of a ten point loss to the Cardinals last week, and the Packers they're coming off of a you know tough loss in Detroit to the Lions. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's been on record just saying that you know we're we're not playing well as a team. I'll tell you one thing, Aaron Rodgers is wheeling and dealing, but. It's just not consistently. I mean, last week against the Lions, he throws for 442 yards and three touchdowns. But they have no rushing attack. And defensively, I mean, Clay Matthews continues to get penalized for great defensive plays. And they just keep hurting themselves time and time and time and time again. So, you know, tonight is going to be a... I mean, it's going to be a crazy battle. You got the Green Bay Packers at 2-2 two and two with the tie. And the 49ers, you know, both coming off a loss. And now they get the Monday night showdown in Green Bay, Lambeau Field. You know it's going to be rocking. It's going to be crazy. And yeah, the Green Bay Packers should go out and they should win this game against the, you know, depleted 49ers and the quarterback list 49ers. But I tell you what, Kyle Shanahan is going to come in here expecting to win. He's going to see a defense that's struggling, that's giving up points, and try to go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Let's see what happens. Can Aaron Rodgers lead his team to victory on Monday night and get them back on track? Because the Packers have a bye next week, and the 49ers get to host the Los Angeles Rams next week at home. So... You know, if you're the Packers, you lose this game at home on Monday night in Lambeau, man, you have two weeks until your next game that you get to get back out there on the field and fix your wrongs. And the 49ers, I mean, if you lose tonight, then you got to go back home on a short week and host the dominating Los Angeles Rams in a divisional showdown next Sunday. Crucial, crucial game tonight for both teams. It's going to be fun. Definitely tune in. 
That'll do it for me tonight, guys. I want to thank you so much for listening. Check me out on Twitter. Those polls are still up for a couple days, so go vote. Let me know what you think about the NLCS, the ALCS, and the Denver Broncos season. I will definitely be catching you guys on Thursday before my Denver Broncos take on Josh Rosen and the Cardinals. So we will definitely talk a little bit more then, and we will you know, kind of preview what's to come in week seven. A lot of buys coming into play, so there's a lot of less games. Uh, you know, definitely some left, less games next week to watch on TV. But, you know, crazy week of football. There was some good plays. There was some, some bad plays. And, you know, the Broncos lost. So, you know, I'm always a little upset. But they have, uh, you know, three days to turn around and, hopefully beat another rookie quarterback from this year's draft class and Josh Rosen. So we will find out. We will see what happens. I wonder what the over-under is for David Johnson rushing yards against the Broncos because I might be betting the over. And there's no need to argue about that. Check you guys on Thursday. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening again. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick. And there's no need to argue about that.